the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. See, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast. We are presented by FanDuel. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen. Today's episode, week 17, NFL Best Bets. 14-game slate, Sunday, and of course, Monday night football. Great matchup, Buffalo and Cincinnati. Joining the pod this week, usual suspects, Brandon Anderson, who comes from his bunkered down location in parts unknown. It is not Seattle Island. It looks like audio director Matt Mitchell's basement, but that is not where he is. Brandon's here. Jill in his usual spot, Jill Gallant. He hosts the Touchdown Show at Action Network. And we've got Anthony DeBondo back this week. He's in for Luke Swain, Vegas refund. Luke is actually on a real island. He's not on the virtual Seattle Island. Luke is on a, uh, a vacation and he much deserved. So we miss Luke this week, but uh, DeBundo, thanks as always for, for stopping by. Folks, Best Bets episode needs a bounce back week. Three and seven last week. We are uh, 75, 66 and four for the season. Before we jump into the picks, we've got a new segment here on the pod. If you joined us last week, you heard it. Joined by Action Network Director of Research, Evan Abrams, the engine behind our Action Labs database. He picks apart the numbers, the research, the trends. He shares his favorite stats and trends heading into the weekend. Evan, take it away, please. Thanks, guys. This is my favorite two weeks of the year. You've got scenarios, correlated parlays, season leaders. You've got the playoff machine up. It's just absolutely glorious. So right now, I think the right thing to do is to start with a quick state of the league, maybe some overarching angles for this season. Underdogs are hitting at about 55% against the spread this season. That's the best start for dogs in 15 years. But if you look at Moneyline underdogs, weeks 1 through 10, they hit at 40%. Since week 10, 27%, so a 13% drop-off in Moneyline underdogs. And that kind of correlates. You've seen favorites of a touchdown or more hit at 39% this year. That's the worst start for them in 20 years. With unders and underdogs both showing success this year, it's no shock to anyone to hear that rookie quarterbacks and backup quarterbacks are cashing for betters. Rookies this year are 11 and nine straight up and 13 and seven against the spread entering week 17. And backup quarterbacks and you can have an argument about what actually a backup quarterback is, but based off what I am marking them off as, they are 35 and 38 straight up, but a promising 42, 29 and two against the spread. This week, you're looking at teams like Tennessee, Arizona, Atlanta, San Francisco, and the Rams as possible backup quarterback situations, among many others with Miami as well. Chicago Bears, Justin Fields and rushing yards. He said he wants the record. Right now, he has 1,011 rushing yards. The leader is Lamar Jackson at 12.06, so he has some rushing to do. Facing the Bears, you also have the Lions who are now about a six-point favorite. Detroit hasn't closed minus six or higher since October 2019, and they haven't closed minus seven or higher since September 2018. We might be in for some history. 
And if you want to look at some motivation for Patrick Mahomes, he needs 758 passing yards over his last two games to break the single season record. Another motivational factor, Justin Jefferson has 1,756 receiving yards. He is 209 yards away from breaking Calvin Johnson's record for most receiving yards in a season. With 133 receiving yards last Saturday, he's also on pace for a 2,000-yard season. He needs 244 yards to get there. Miami Dolphins. Let's talk about the myth of Teddy Covers. Bridgewater is 43-22 against the spread, 66% in his career. He is the fifth most profitable quarterback against the spread in the last 20 years. Teddy Covers. But since 2020, Teddy not so covers is actually just 15 and 15 against the spread. New Orleans Saints. Andy Dalton has lost his last 13 starts straight up versus teams allowing fewer than 21 points per game. Since 2016, Dalton is 5 and 25 straight up in that spot. The Eagles may have Hurts, they might have Minshew, but either way, they have a great defense. Here's a fun one. Sam Darnold has faced Tom Brady three times in his career with the Panthers and the Jets. He's 0-3 straight up and 0-3 against the spread, losing by a combined score of 112-20, to failing to cover by 19.3 points per game. The Texans have defeated the Jaguars in nine consecutive games straight up, dating back to 2018. Over the last eight years, the Texans are 15-2 straight up versus the Jaguars. And Davis Mills... 2-0 straight up and against the spread versus the Jaguars. He's 2-19-1 straight up versus all other teams. How about this one? Derek Carr currently leads the NFL in interceptions with 14. Carr was benched for weeks 17 and 18 and will not throw another pass this season. Behind Carr in interceptions is Matt Ryan with 13, Josh Allen with 13, Davis Mills with 13, Carr was 30-1 to to lead the league in interceptions, no longer. Nobody beats Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field. He is 27-4 straight up and 21-10 against the spread at home in December or later in the regular season. He's won nine straight starts in this spot. Bills-Bengals. This is the game everyone's been waiting for, and the Bengals have some streaks on the line. They've won and covered seven straight. They've done that for the first time since 1970. Burrow is 19-3 against the spread in his last 22 starts. The Bengals are 20-3 in their last 23 games. In the last 20 years, only one other team has won and covered seven straight and been listed as a home underdog. Washington and RG3 in the 2012-13 playoffs, and RG3 lost the game 24-14, but got hurt midway through the game, which brought on Kirk Cousins. All right, guys, thanks a lot. Enjoy week 17. I'll be back for week 18. And the playoffs, we're in the stretch run. Let's get that money, says Rayvon. Okay, Evan, thank you very much. Great stuff. And without further ado, let's jump into the best bets for week 17. As a reminder, you can find the picks in the Action Network app. Action Network NFL Picks, the Sunday six-pack with Stucky and Rayvon is also there. Brandon Anderson, your first pick. I know the picks ahead here. These guys have not consulted one another, though, however. But this is a pick you gave out earlier in the week. It's a total. What do you got? Yeah, I'm going to take a total for Miami and New England. Give me the under here, under 41 and a half. I grabbed this at 43 earlier in the week. I still like it at 41 and a half, anywhere in the 40s, really. 
So Brandon, you talked about this with me on Sunday night in the podcast. This is a fade of Miami's offense. And Miami's offense has faded fast over the last month, even more with Tua Tagovailoa out. So last six weeks, Miami's offense by DVOA, 27th in the NFL. So that has really plummeted here. And if you look at the games where Tua has either played with concussion issues or has missed those games, for those games, Miami is 25th in offensive DVOA. And that included earlier games before this late swoon. Take those games out. Miami's third. They're number one in passing. So this is a huge deal. The offense is crater lately. But as we talked about, while that's been happening, Miami's defense has quietly gotten pretty good here. Bradley Chubb came over. The pass rush is better. They're actually a top quarter of the league over the last six weeks. Top 12 against the run, top 12 against the pass. So Miami quietly has, we knew the offense was bad, but they kind of stayed afloat with this defense. Well, we already know New England. We already know New England is a great defensive team, not scoring much. We don't need to make that case. So now we've got two of those teams and we've got Bill Belichick who didn't know what was coming week one when these teams played, but now has had three or four months since then to prepare for this unique Miami offense. I think Belichick will have some ideas up his sleeve and don't forget they held the Dolphins to only 20 in week one anyway. In hindsight, the way this offense was steamrolling early, that looks pretty good. So that week one game, only 27 points there. Miami, for all the hype about the offense, they've only scored 21 or less nine times out of the 15 games this year. And we know that offense is falling, Tua is out. And then just look at some of the late season division trends. Unders, when the total is 40 to 47, 56% of the under. If the home favorite is seven or less, 58% to the under. And then, of course, we're in Foxborough. So looking windy, looking at the chance of rain or snow for Sunday, that only helps. So I like the under here, 41 and a half. I'd play it anywhere in the 40s if you can get up. I'd play over half a poncho for someone on this podcast who might be in uh, in Foxborough at the game <laughs> on Sunday. Not looking forward to the inclement weather, but Bill Belichick might be. Because weather now is a real thing for Bill Belichick to get wins these days in the NFL. Patriots also the worst offensive team in the first quarter this year. I was looking at the uh, first half total sitting at 20, uh, slight juice to the, uh, to the under even money plus 100 or so juice to the over, pardon me, plus 100 to uh, an under 20 first half. Brandon does Brandon's on the full game under Patriots dolphins. Jill, what's up? What do you got? First pick. Yeah, I'm going to take a big favorite right off the bat, Brendan. I'm going to take the 49ers minus nine and a half versus the inept, woeful Raiders. Uh, I just think right now we're making a little too big of a deal about the Mr. Irrelevant aspect of feeling good about laying points with a rookie you know, on the road. Forget about deserve. This offense and defensive combo is pretty much a, just a set and forget, mainly because when you look at the Raiders' defense, they're already going to be missing some guys key that help stop the run. Chandler Jones will be out. Denzel Perriman's been out. He's going to remain to be out. So I think Christian McCaffrey could end up having a huge game because the Raiders are last versus running backs and past defensive DVOA and they're 22nd in defensive rushing DVOA. So that's pretty much the 49ers bread and butter when it comes to their offense. I also think that it's not a coincidence that the 49ers are eight and no straight up and seven to one against the spread with McCaffrey as the full-time starter in this offense. They're winning games by an average of 16.6 points per game. Six of those eight games are won by double digits 
Not to mention, Debo could be back too. He stated to come back for practice. He didn't practice on Wednesday, but we'll be able to see a little bit more. If he's back, it's just only going to add more gravy for the 49ers train. Uh, for reference, though, this line has been crazy all week. Like it moved, yeah. started at four and a half, moved to six, and then it creeped up to 10 and a half once Derek Carr got removed as the starter and Jared Stidham is now the starter. And then, then it's back down to nine and a half. So I really couldn't talk myself off of it once it got back under 10. And for Stidham, you don't want to be making your first career start against this 49ers defense. Like he's only come in as a backup in his time. You're a Patriots fan, Brendan. So you're more than aware of the Jared Stidham experience, but <laughs> it cut, his, his career stats are kind of indicative of what he is, you know, 64 pass attempts, 55% completion rates, two touchdowns, four interceptions. And the 49ers are pretty much going to take away what is a quarterback's best friend, which is the running back and passes over the middle. <laughs> the 49ers rank first defensively in both categories. Uh, so while I think, again, taking a nine and a half on the road, it's going to probably be a slow burn. It may take until the fourth quarter to seal the deal. But I think the Niners win this game by double digits. And since the start of last season, the Niners have been favored by nine or more in four games. They're 4-0 straight up and 3-1 and one against the spread. The most recent example was versus the Cardinals in Mexico, and they won by 28 points. Fascinating spot for Josh McDaniels to the head coach, which the Davis family has advocated he'll be back. They're giving him some time, more than the coach in Denver. We'll get to Denver, I think, later in the podcast. But uh, yeah, Jarrett Stidham, there's there's some things in the last few years that have offended me as a fan of the New England Patriots. And when COVID first started in 2020, when I was told, yeah, Stid the kid, he's the, the, he's the next guy for Brady. Mm, Bill Belichick went out inside Cam Newton and this guy couldn't get on the field ahead of Cam Newton. And we all saw how we all saw how that experiment worked out in, in Foxborough. DeBundo, welcome back. What do you got for us? First pick for week 17. It's not pretty. Almost none of my picks this week are, but I like the Chicago Bears plus six on the road against Detroit. And when this line first opened around three and a half, four uh, in the book of headlines, I wasn't really planning to bet the Bears, but I think what's happened in the last week since that, one, the Bears, you know, both teams got destroyed last week, both teams losing by 20-plus. Uh, but the line moved about two points to six now, and I just think it's a classic example of a team in a must-win spot at home. Everybody's expecting the Lions to bounce back. Everybody's still on the Lions train, even though they got exposed last week in Carolina. And everyone's expecting them to bounce back and have a good showing here. The Bears have no motivation. They're tanking for the draft pick. There's no reason for them to go out and win this game. I think it's all overbaked into the number and that these two teams are actually pretty close to one another. I mean, they did play not that long ago and the Chicago was winning late in the third quarter until the Justin Fields pick six that let the lions right back into the game. Uh, and they were down two touchdowns, you know, in that game. So they had to come back and the, the spread in that game uh, would suggest that, you know, this line's gotten way out of hand because Detroit was only a slight favorite in that game. So now it's six uh, and neither defense is any good. I know we talked earlier this year and I said, the Lions defense is 32nd in the league and they're not going to consistently be that bad. Well, they have improved and that's just kind of with variance. You know, some offenses ran into some turnover problems on them. They have been a little bit better, but let's just take it face value for the season. You exclude turnovers. This is the 31st and the 32nd ranked defense in the NFL the Bears and the Lions, and the Bears have actually been a top 10 run offense. So I think that the path is there for Fields and Montgomery to find success on the ground, limit the possessions in this game, keep Goff on the sideline, and continue to gash this overrated Lions defensive line. 
that got very fortunate and has not been very good against the run really all season. So I think the Bears find success on the ground here. Yes, the Bears secondary probably also gets torched, but given the backdoor risk and just given all of the risk here, laying six with Detroit just because they need to win the game, it's way too many points. I like the Bears plus six. And your point, small favorite in that matchup early in the season, midway through the year, Bears minus three at home. That was a tight game. Then Chicago outscored them 14 zip in the third, 31-30 Detroit winners. And there was only one turnover in that game, one. And it was the Justin Fields interception. Let him right back into the game. It was 24-10. You know, I think it was early fourth quarter, maybe, or late third quarter when that game turned. And and I misspoke earlier. I said Lions were favored. But yes, the Bears were favored in that game. So now you have a a nine-point swing. Uh, are the Lions really that much better than they were a month ago? I know the perception on the Lions is that much better, but I don't think they were as bad as the first eight games indicated. I don't think they've been as good as the last six either. So here we are. Score was knotted at 10. That leads into our next round of picks. Brandon Anderson, you are going to go to the other side here, but in a different way. I am. Yeah, it's only appropriate. DeBundo and I have yet to be on one of these podcasts together, but we love to go head to head. So, of course, first is time. Is this your he first makes time together on the podcast? First time together time? here. This is the second ah. time. Is it the second? And the first time was when I backed the Lions against the Packers. <laughs> well, so they I am going right to... and they got very fortunate to do so. But that hey, was Dad, the start I... of the Lions' luck turning around. Well, I'm going to back the Lions here. But like you said, Brennan, I'm going to back them with a twist here. So, I actually think DeBundo and I are on a pretty similar page here. I do like the Lions. I think that they do win the game here. The, or the, the Bears are actually, since that game a month ago, the offense has gotten a lot worse lately. Justin Fields picked up an injury. I think is kind of playing through some nagging stuff. They're down only 15 and a half points a game the last four games. So earlier we were riding Bears overs for a while. That's been out now because it's a little more unreliable. But... I was one of the people in the action mush last week on the Lions. I was one of the people that got steamrolled in that one. I'm a little scarred by the Lions defense. So I like Detroit here. If I was going to play a side, I'd play a Lions cover, a Lions team total over. I trust the offense with Amon Ross St. Brown. They've been the number five offense by DVOA. They're averaging over 28 a game. The Bears have allowed 25 or more eight straight games. This Bears defense is terrible. The Lions are going to score at home where they're good. What I don't like is I don't like the second half. I don't want the back door. Anthony mentioned it. I don't like the back door. So I'm going to just get my first half money and get out of here. Give me Lions minus three and a half just in the first half. So I like the offensive score. I trust the Lions early. When you get embarrassed like that against the Panthers, look, Dan Campbell, like we've watched this team, the, the kneecap biting team, this is exact sort of team that that gets whipped into shape all week and responds with pride early the next game, set the tone, run the ball, block a little harder, all that good stuff, get the get things going early. And you look at some of the splits here. Bears defense by DVOA, dead last in the first quarter. Bears defense in the second quarter, dead last. Lions defense in the second half, dead last. But average in the first half. So give me the terrible defense bears in the first half. Give me the quick early strike lines to kind of get things going, set the tone, leave the back door open. I don't care. DeBundo, you figure your pick out after that. I'll have my money already at the half. If you look at just first half ATS, lines are 11 and four against the spread this year. The wow. bears are five and 10 in the first half ATS. So I do wish that it was under three. I don't love getting the hook there but I'd rather take the three and a half than the full game six. 
I don't care about the back door, get my money and get out of there. Lions first half. Wow. Yeah. The, the defense is what you're right. Those DVOA numbers, those, the, the defensive numbers to bundle are, are what do the, the bears in, in the first half. You got a thought though, on the, on the plus six angle still. Yeah. I mean, the bears offense has looked a lot worse in the last month, but and yes, it did coincide with the injury, but I'll, I'll push back and I'll say like, look who they played. I mean, they played the jets, the bills and the Eagles in the last month. Uh, and they played the jets with Simeon. So like, I think that there's some evidence that's that right. that like field is just going to run all over them. I think that's what's going to happen here. I mean, he did in the last game, he, the, 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 they ran for 258 yards in that first meeting. So uh, I'm not sure that, you know, it's going to be a convoy of, of long runs. Like the Panthers ran off last week. I don't foresee it being that extreme again. Uh, it, it can't possibly be that bad, but uh, I, I do worry uh, that, that the lions will, will not get enough stops here. Yeah. What, what's interesting. You and I were texting about this game a while ago and you, you mentioned as you were talking about liking the bears here. Yeah. You know, lions up by seven and a half bears end up losing by three. I think we kind of both expect the same thing here. I I'm terrified of Justin Fields. I want no part of the second half experience, but I think, I think I like the lions enough early in the game and then just get out of there, get the defense, do whatever they're going to do in the second half. I do think the Lions win. I still kind of like Lions to make the playoffs. But, yeah, you're right to fear the defense and to to what you said about the Bears' offense. I think is dead on. But I trust the Lions to get the statement early, and and I'll just take my money and watch the second half. And the nature is so – the, the nature's so different too, right? You're in Carolina, record low temperatures in Carolina. You go back to your building indoors, your head coach shaking hands with the other head coach, Campbell saying, oh, that was a good old ass kicking. It feels like if he's got these guys on board, which sort of feels like they, they, they getting off to a good start is, uh, is crucial. And that's, that's the way Brandon foresees this matchup going. Jill, second pick. Yeah, a bit of a coin flip game. I feel like you can make a case for both sides, but I'm going to go with the better team. I'm going to take Bills minus one and a half versus the Bengals. Look, I know the Bengals are the hottest team in the NFL. A lot of people are going to point to them saying, look, they beat Kansas City three times in a year. Mm -hmm. The the Chiefs aren't the Bills. Bills are way better than that. I also think the Bills or Bengals rather have been blessed with a little bit of good luck recently. Uh, You know, they're facing the Cleveland Browns when it's, Deshaun Watson, Watson's second start, you know, they're facing the, the cratering Buccaneers. You know, they almost blew it last week versus the Patriots. Like, And the Bills, top five team in creating quarterback pressure, and we've seen that's how you beat the Bengals. And who's now out? Right tackle, Leo Collins, out for the rest of the year with a torn ACL. Uh, the Bills also just rise up when they're facing a tougher defense like than they do when they play like lesser teams. This year, and actually in his career, rather, Josh Allen versus defense is allowing under 21 points per game, 14-6-1 against the spread. The defensive injuries as well to Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. Now, I am seeing that, uh, like, Hendrickson did come back last week, but he only played, like, a handful of snaps. Hubbard is expected back, but, again, it's a hamstring injury. You can't expect him to be fully back there. Those are two key parts of their pass rush. So, for me, I'm I'm looking at the Bills. I think that this line probably should be closer to minus two and a half. I feel like we're getting a little bit of a bargain here at minus one and a half. I will say that if you're looking for even just a little bit more of a safer spot, you can get the bills money line around minus minus one fifteen. Bengals, as Jill said, hottest team in the league and they're covering two folks. They've covered 20 of their last 23 games, the most profitable team against the spread in the NFL over the last two seasons. That includes the playoffs 26 and 10. They've won and covered seven straight Going into this showdown should be good Monday night. And we'll have more on that game folks, but next week, early next week with shows and content at action network. Cause 
That's one worth sinking your teeth into. Best Monday night game of the year. No question coming up. DeBundo, second best bet. Yeah, there are three defenses that are top six in uh, both run defensive line stopping and pass defensive line stopping based on PFF grades and on pass rush run block uh, or run stop win rates. That's from Ben Baldwin. Three of the three defensive lines are the Philadelphia Eagles, the San Francisco 49ers, and the New York football Jets. And I like the New York football Jets minus one and a half against the Seattle Island Seahawks. Sorry, Brandon. I know you're, you're getting ribbed from all sides for your Seahawks love, but they have, they have fallen off a cliff. And I think it's a good example of why like preseason priors do matter. And yes, Geno Smith has played well and above expectations, but since the first five weeks of the season, when he played like a top five quarterback, he has not quite been the same. And he's also not the same when under pressure is not his PFF grade went under pressure 62 uh, more uh, four turnover worthy plays in the last three weeks. Uh, he's been struggling quite a bit. And the Jets are going to get a lot of pressure and they're going to stop the run. And then, you know, DK Metcalf is hard to stop, but he'll be visiting Sauce Island this weekend. Uh, the real island, uh, Sauce Gardner uh, out wide the corner for the Jets, who's been a dominant rookie defender. Uh, I think that the Jets will be able to run on Seattle. And that is the major key here. Mike White, I know everybody thinks he's great. I really, I'm like kind of skeptical on Mike White, but you watch him compared to Zach Wilson. It's a pretty stark difference. And so I think Mike White can do enough to make the short underneath throws that the Seattle defense will give you and to keep them ahead of the chains, just running the ball. Uh, I think the Jets end the Seahawks season here and get the win. I'm laying minus one and a half. Seattle has lost three in a row straight up six consecutive games against the number. Geno Smith had never even lost five straight games against the spread in his career prior to last week. He still leads the NFL in completion percentage, but yes, as to Bundo's point, uh, to Bundo's point, the, the level of play has dropped off slightly. Brandon, I, I guess we'll just go right to you here and you can respond to the, the island. I mean, you've already been on record. The island is washed away. Yeah, abandoned Seattle Island. The island has taken water. The island is under. I am not at an island. I'm in a North Dakota bunker. Island is out of here. I'm on this game too, except I'm going to add a little twist to this one as well. I do like the Jets, but I'm going to play the Jets with an under. I'm going to do the same game parlay plus 239. So Jets minus one and a half and the under 42 and a half together. So Seattle's defense, we talked a lot about them during the Island run when we made a lot of money together, that defense was playing pretty well for a while. We talked early in the year, like DeBundo said with the Lions, when you're that bad early, you can really only kind of get better. Like that's just how defense goes. Well, Turns out the defense still wasn't very good. They never learned how to tackle. They're back to 29th by DVOA the last six weeks. And so that's going to help against the Jets. I agree. I'm not really super, super in on Mike White, but I am in on Mike White not being Zach Wilson, who's already been announced as inactive this week. With Wilson, the Jets are 27th offense DVOA. Without him, they're 16th. So give me an average sounding offense against a terrible defense. The Seahawks offense is pretty similar to what the Jets are now, too. Like DeBundo said, the big difference here is the Jets defense, and that's what really stood out. This line actually started out Seattle minus two, and then went all the way to Jets three, and I was like, oh, man, am I going to have to go back to the island? Is this my last stand on the island? No, the island is underwater. We're done. Seattle, I looked into it three times this year. The Seahawks have played a top 10 defense by DVOA. That was the 49ers twice and then the Bucs one time. In those three games, Seahawks went down 21 to 3, 21 to 3, and 20 to nothing. This offense 
I don't think it's necessarily smoke and mirrors. Even like you mentioned the Geno Smith completion thing, it's not smoke and mirrors, but it's not necessarily, hey, Geno is elite now. Geno's completion is so high because the man cannot and will not throw the ball away and is taking sacks the whole game. And those are negative plays too, just like incompletions, interceptions, whatever. So I think Seahawks really struggle to score here. I, if I was going to fully abandon the island and embrace it, I needed the extra juice. So if I like the Jets here to cover, I think it has to be because I like the under, because I think the Jets defense really shows up. Last four New York wins, they've covered and gone under, and they've gone under 42 and a half, eight of their last 10 games. Jets unders are 10 and five on the season. Home underdogs this year in games that have a home underdog, the under is 65% for the season. That's not Jets. That's all games across the season. So that's been a really favorable trend. So I think the Jets go to Seattle, Mike White and all, and shut this team down. And I think Debundo is right. I think we end the season, put Seattle Island out of its misery for good. And I like the Jets a little further too. I'm seeing some plus 500 to make the playoffs out there. We're in Seattle. They're in Miami next week. We don't know if Tua will play. New York fans don't give up on this thing. I think we're still looking pretty solid. You win both of those games by 538.com. You're getting around 90% to make the playoffs. I like the Jets to win here. I like the playoff odds. Give me the Jets cover and under 42 and a half together plus 239. So I guess the real twist on the Geno completion percentage is he's just protecting himself. It's actually kind of genius on his end for personally to keep his, uh, to, to, to keep his numbers high and, he can say I had the best completion percentage in the NFL and that will further boost his, uh, his, his resume as a backup quarterback or potentially a starter in other markets. If they, if they choose to go there, what do you say, Jill, you hopping aboard here or what? Yeah, I think Brendan, it has to be a clean sweep. I'm going to take jets minus one and a half as well. Wow. And uh, again, superior defense and a fade of Seahawks Island. Like I had Seahawks plus 10 last week. I was holding it down for you, Brandon. And it felt dead by the first quarter. We capsized. We were overrun by water. And honestly, since the Seahawks have returned from London, it's like their defense forgot to come back with them because they're allowing 27.6 points per game. They're bottom five in rush defense for DVOA. And they've lost four of their last five. And their only win was over John Walford and the Rams. And we all know where they're at in this stage of the season. I also think it's a bigger deal that Tyler Lockett is not playing for them. He's bigger for that pass offense that I think a lot of people let on. He was leading the team in first downs converted. We saw them struggle on third down mightily last week against KC. They were three and nine on third down, which they really needed because in the second half, Kenneth Walker was taking off, but they could not convert on third down at all. And uh, the Jets defense, I think, should be able to withstand any of that type of rushing attack. Because we have a little bit of a superior quarterback to back again, I'm not going to say I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go on the flip side and say that Mike White is competent. He's just not. He's almost competent. Whereas as opposed to Zach Wilson, he's just completely incompetent. So again, just that kind of upgrade. I just don't want to elevate him and say that okay, he's a top 15 quarterback in the NFL now. Uh, but kind of predicting a game script similar to what we saw when the Jets played Chicago and where they just kind of cruise to a double-digit win. The defense takes care of business. So give me Jets minus one and a half against the Seahawks. Of course, in this case, too, you hope for less quarterback. Well, maybe actually you might be promoting it. Well, no, in this case, you wouldn't want that for the Jets. Quarterback murkiness, as Anthony brought up before, that was Simeon playing uh, in the in the game uh, for the for the Bears. 
the game you're referencing from earlier in the year. But now we know it is going to be Mike White as the starter for the Jets, in this case, taking on Seattle on the road. You guys are all going against the trend of Pete Carroll at home off a loss, 27-14-1 against the spread at home off a straight-up loss in that spot. So, all right. Abandon Island. Get the hell out. Bunker down. And go to Jets, go to Jets Island, Sauce Island, Revis Island, whatever, just name a cornerback. I guess that's how it goes. And we have one more pick. So we all kind of, we blended the, the DeBundo's second pick with Brandon and Jill's third pick being both, all three guys on the Jets. You know, you said it off the top. I'm not, I'm not putting words in your mouth. You said it, not me. You know, a lot of, a lot of gross ones this week, DeBundo and your third stint, I think on the podcast, third or fourth. Third, fourth, fourth stint on the podcast now in week 17. Give it to us. Your final pick, please. The Denver Broncos country. Let's ride Broncos plus 12 and a half at He's the sick. Kansas City He's Chiefs. Sick Look, person. I watched on Christmas for the first half. You did. Like everybody else. I had, I put the Nickelodeon broadcast on. I had a couple of my little cousins over. They were really enjoying it. Uh, I enjoyed it too. Patrick Starr broadcasting the Russell Wilson interception was, was incredible. Uh, and we're at the point now where the Broncos. Is Patrick, is Patrick Starr part of your handicap? Yes. Yes. Uh, no, but the Broncos, in a way, yes, because you cannot get lower than that. And this is the time to buy. The Broncos social media is now retweeting players, hyping up Russell Wilson. That's the point we're at now where they're, I guarantee you somebody in Broncos PR is like, hey, go on Twitter show support for Russ so we can retweet it and make it look like the, the walls aren't closing in. You've got Shannon Sharp going on first take uh, or, or uh, undisputed, whatever show he's on talking about how nobody in the organization likes him. Nobody in the locker room respects him. I mean, that's how bad it is for Denver. And I'm betting the Broncos for the same reason that I bet them a month ago. And it's that their secondary is really good. And they do, they did a good job of making it difficult for Patrick Mahomes. He had three interceptions in that game. He was not, his sharpest, but he also was forced into some mistakes by this very good top five in the league secondary. They got dominated on the ground last week, but Kansas City's not going to do that. They're not going to run all over uh, Denver. And it's still a divisional game. It's still a, a, a rivalry in a sense, even though it's been dominated by the Chiefs. And the Chiefs have been a really bad favorite in their division. They have not covered a divisional game all season. They have not been a good home favorite. They have not been a good big favorite under Mahomes. All of that points me toward Denver and how much has really changed in the last month when Denver was plus eight and a half in at home against Kansas city. Now you're catching, uh, it was as high as 13, 13 and a half now down to 12 and a half on the road. Kansas city has no reason to get margin. They haven't been able to get margin on anybody. And yes, they did cover last week against Seattle, but how many times was Seattle in the top in deep in Kansas city territory, just not converting fourth downs. It felt like they were a lot closer uh, in that game. So this is a classic overinflated line. Nobody wants to bet the Broncos. It's still the NFL. Nobody truly tanks. And there's not like they're tanking anyway because they don't have their first round pick. Uh, Seattle's going to pick in the top four this year. So give me the Broncos plus 12 and a half. And I'm probably going to be on the Raiders next week when they play the Chiefs, although we'll see with, with, with Stidham. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a classic hold your nose, ugly play. I don't have like stats to tell you how good Denver is. I mean, they're horrible. They're, they're bottom three in series conversion rate offensively. It's a terrible offense, but uh, you only need, you know, maybe 17 points to feel really good about this number. And I, and, and Denver has been good at getting to, you know, 14 to 17 points this season. Um, can't get higher. They, 
Well, you you mentioned not much. Well, they did they did fire Hackett. That 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 happened too. That yeah, exactly. And, and that's maybe, probably a good they, thing, they, I guess they, you're saying. It, it can't get worse. I mean, the the Colts fired Frank Reich uh, and went to Jeff Saturday, who had no coaching experience, and then won a game six days later. So how bad can it be? It's one game. You might get an inspired effort because of Hackett getting fired. I don't know. I, I, I like he's a, not a good coach. I think we can all agree on that. Like, what was the value out of Nate, Nate Hackett to this team? Uh, it didn't seem like there was much. So you can't really lose much from going to the interim that none of us have ever heard of. Yeah, I I agree with you. This is such a Denver spot based on you're you're buying at the absolute nadir. My only fear here, why I'm gonna probably just pass on this. I think it's Broncos are pass. My fear is that, look, look, we watched the game on Christmas. We had our Nickelodeon fun. The team quit in that game. I just don't know who they quit on. Did they quit on our buddy Nate Hackett? Or were they quitting on Russell Wilson? Because he's still rolling out there this week. And I wonder if that's what the players are really done with. And obviously, that's not going anywhere. Russell's stuck around there for a long time. So I am a little worried that they might just be like, no, man, that wasn't the problem here. We don't want this guy quarterbacking our team anymore. He's been so bad. Like the, the receivers are like openly complaining and bad, terrible body language. So Not on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So really quick to DeBundo's point, Jerry, this is in the last hour, folks. We're recording on Thursday. Judy and Hamler went on Twitter. Yep. Did, did Cortland Sutton, who was the one waving his arms on the broadcast, uh, Russ, run run the play. I don't think Sutton was on Twitter, DeBundo. I didn't see his name. It's all right. Sutton will be in the end zone this weekend, covering the back door when the Chiefs win by seven in a game that was never competitive. Come on, Jill. you got to have something here. you got to be thinking something before. Jill, we... if you bet Denver a month ago, you have to bet Denver. That's my that's my other thing. If you bet Denver plus waiting, eight and a half I'm, in I'm Kansas City, you got to bet I'm just waiting for the Judy today. touchdown odds to come out, man, because okay. based on the way the matchup is, he lines up mostly in the slot, and that's where Casey struggles to be able to defend. Now, will Russell Wilson actually be able to take advantage of this said advantage? I don't know. But I will say that if you're going to give me probably – it's probably going to be around plus 275 to plus 300 odds for him to score a touchdown this week. That's who I'm going to be looking at in that game. All I ask is for a terrible game that we can put last on our list Sunday night so that Jill gets one more Broncos game to cover. It'll be that one. I can guarantee it. Okay, before we wrap up the show, let's take a very quick look at next week's lines. Week 18, the final week of the regular season. See if we like any numbers now before they adjust to Sunday's action. Brandon Anderson always takes the reins on this for the look ahead line. So a little complicated. And I think folks are going to kind of catch on here once you get started with your analysis. But folks, as we know, playoff implications, teams eliminated, teams that need to win, teams that are playing for the number one seed or playing to get in the playoffs. So a lot, truly a lot of what happens that look ahead's hard is the point for this week, because a lot of what happens this week relies on effort, trying, giving a crap next week. So why don't you dive in? You've got, you've got some, you've got some angles now that you're maneuvering. Yeah. So if you're looking for just a traditional, Hey, you know, we've been catching up, you know, last week, I think DeBundo gave out Packers. We caught a point there on my article. I had the Steelers. We gained three and a half points to that. If you want to just gain some point value on the line, this is really not the week to do it. I couldn't really find one that I love, partly because every game next week is directly impacted by all the games this week and setting up motivations. I think something like 12 of the 16 games next week, I look at the line and I'm like, well, that could swing a lot. Not a point, like three points, seven points, depending on 
well, what if this team rests and, you know, what goes from there? So I'm looking to play a little bit more aggressively here. So if you want to just look for a regular look ahead, this is not your spot, but I'm going to play some week 17 money lines. So I say, okay, who wins or loses week 17? And that determines the rest favorable outcome for week 18. So I'm going to parlay a week 17 money line with the week 18 money line and the week 18 game I'm pairing. It can't be the same team because books will, will reject the bet. You can't put the same team in there, but if you can kind of correlate results. So here's the one I'll give out. And then you can check my article that posts Friday for a few more of these to bundle. I got a Broncos one in there. That'll be a doozy for you. Broncos this week, Patriots next week against the resting bills. If they win and the chiefs lose, then maybe that's just a resting game for the bills. 29 to one. If you like that one, you really want to go in on Broncos country. Let's ride for that. Here's my pick for today. Give me the new Orleans saints against the Eagles this week, plus two thirty. but parlay that with next week, the Cowboys to beat Washington plus one seventy. So combine that together. You get a plus seven ninety one. So let me start with the saints. Saints are playing the Eagles who are highly favored, but Still looks like no Jalen Hurts. We did see him in practice today, but I don't think we're going to see him in the game. No Lane Johnson, the star tackle. They are not the same offense without him. No Avante Maddox, the nickel corner. These things are starting to add up for that team. And honestly, the Saints are playing pretty good football. They're still alive. They are alive for the division, alive for the playoffs. This could be a playoff preview, depending on how things play out. That sounds crazy, but Saints pass defense has been good. Overall, they're the number 10 DVOA team the last six weeks. This team is pretty solid, and the Eagles are not what they once were. Now, look, I'm not just going to play a Saints money line. I don't think the Saints win. I think they could win, though. And if they do win, look at next week. Right now, Dallas is a four-and-a-half-point underdog in Washington. That's because we expect the Cowboys to be resting because the, the one seed probably is wrapped up by then. If the Eagles win this game, the Cowboys are locked into the five seed. If the Saints win instead, and of course the Cowboys hopefully won Thursday night by the time you're listening to this, they're huge favorites, so we expect them to. Now, I think the Cowboys end up favored against Washington. Now they have every incentive to go get the win. I don't need to make the case for why Dallas is better than Washington. You already know that they're better. They're trying, they're favored. And now heading next week, if the Saints got the win this week, we got a plus 791 money line on a Cowboys team that wants to win against Washington, who frankly might be eliminated. If they lose this week and get a couple other results, Washington might be out. They might be arresting. Maybe they play rookie Sam Howell at quarterback to see what they've got there. So got to get creative with these. You know, there, there's a better chance we're going to lose than hit this one. But if the Saints win this week, then we get a really nice spot for next week. You can do more with it. You could add a 49ers win because they'd have a little incentive extra to do it. You could add a Vikings win, same reason. So if you kind of think creatively on how to combine these, you can still play a little look ahead, play the money lines because you you, you want the win here. The win and loss is the result we're keying on. So Saints this week, Cowboys next week, plus 791. That's the look ahead this week. That was okay. like Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia in the mailroom. <laughs> Just like all these connected webs and everything. That was fabulous. What do you think he's looking at right now? He's bunkered down in North Dakota. He's got he's got the web up right now. So he's that's what he's got in front of him there in his new bunker down location. That's right. Frame I'm looking at the Packers. Carson Wentz. 
All right, fellas, let's recap the picks. We'll get ourselves out of here to wrap up the week 17 best bets episode. Brandon Anderson, his picks for week 17. He's on New England, Miami, under 41 and a half. He's on the Detroit Lions, first half, minus three and a half. And he's got a parlay for us. So on the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 239, you can get the Jets, minus one and a half. And he's going to take the under on Jets, Seahawks, under 42 and a half. Jill's on the Niners, minus nine and a half, hosting Jarrett Stidham and the Raiders. Buffalo, Monday night, minus one and a half. And he's also on the Jets, minus one and a half. DeBundo on the Bears, full game, plus six against Detroit. Jets, minus one and a half. And the Denver Broncos, plus 12 and a half as of right now. Okay, folks, that'll do it here on the Action Network podcast. Week 17, best bets. We are presented by FanDuel. Thanks to Brandon, Jill, and DeBundo. Best of luck with your bets this weekend. We will see you for the recap episode Monday morning. I'm Brendan Glasheen. Thanks again for joining us on the Action Network podcast. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.